You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I'm a reinvention coach and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. Today, I'm incredibly excited to bring out a very special guest, Chow Moy, who is the co-founder of Chow Media Group, a full-service marketing and production company. Before founding Chow Media, Chow spent eight years in advertising, representing some of the industry's most reputable television directors and production companies. She has produced campaigns for brands like Disney, Hilton, Stetson, and the short film Boycott Band, The Return of One More Wish, which was shortlisted for Can Leon in the public affairs and lobbying category. In July of 2020, Chow was selected to be part of MasterCard's global initiative, All for Small, which selects small businesses creating a positive impact within the community. Chow has been a guest lecturer at the University of Buffalo, where she taught entrepreneurship and was featured by Citibank, The Skim, Startup Grind, and more. Chow is a born and raised New Yorker and resides in the East Village with her cat, Bubbly. Actually, Chow and I met at a really cool event called Startup Weekend, which you've probably heard me talk about in other channels. It's an entrepreneurship bootcamp where people come to learn how to take a very raw business idea from concept to creation. And this particular one was focused on travel tech, and that's where we got to know each other. But Chow, first of all, thank you so much for spending time with us. Cannot wait to hear some of your stories. Obviously, we had some time to prep, and I know there's a lot of great stuff coming for everybody. But before that, you know, you have a really cool story about how you got into that Startup Weekend event that I was facilitating, where you and I met, and we ended up spending an entire weekend in this like you know uh, really cool venue building ideas. Can you share with everybody the story of how you ended up in that room? Hey, Roger. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be part of your podcast and to meet the rest of the reinvention crew. I have to say that we've known each other now. I guess that happened in like, what, six years ago, seven years ago, 2017, I, maybe? I think so. Yeah, I think it was 2017. Yeah. Wow. It's so crazy. But when you think about ideas and how they start. The story about Travel Startup Weekend was that I had been working in advertising and sales. And, you know, the, the, you know what they say about when you're working in marketing or sales, you're the first one to get let go of whenever the budgets get cut. So I was one of the lucky few. And after being laid off, I had I had always had this idea and desire to create some sort of magazine, some something about um, traveling around the world. I had been a backpacker and blogger in the 2015 time period when everyone was wandering around the world. And I just kept, you know, coming upon all these beautiful cities and towns, meeting all these locals and really wanting to share these, you know, um, off the grid kind of experiences in these cities that you just didn't read about in Time Out or Condé Nast or any of these. So I wanted to create this travel magazine. And so I just knew that if anytime I want to start something new, I always know that I need to find a community and find people who know how to do that already. 
So I literally just went on Google and looked up startup and travel. And I found the Google startup travel weekend. At this point, I was let go from my job. I had $1,000 in my bank account because I spent it all traveling. I was living at home with my parents. <laughs> and I was like, shoot, should I do this? It's $250. And I remember asking one of my best friends, her name's Sandy, shout out to Sandy, if I should go to this class. I was like, should I spend like a whole chunk of my only money left to go to this? And I remember like literally a second after I sent the text, I get a Venmo, uh, a Venmo notification. Sandy has sent you $250. And wow. just, you know, it wasn't, it was like, it was the money, but it wasn't really about the money. It was the fact that she believed in me so deeply, so quickly that it wasn't even a second thought. It was like, if she believes in me so deeply, why don't I believe in myself so deeply? So I ended up going to this weekend and it was such an amazing event. Being locked up in this room for what, 72 hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah. where I met you but I but I think the amazing thing is where you get to meet people I think you meet people who have a different mindset from mm -hmm. what you're used to working yeah. in advertising and marketing it's very traditional work creative work but it's very traditional mm -hmm. in the nine to five whereas you know I'm in this room surrounded by people who are like oh yeah I want to build a b and c I want to do this and to be surrounded by people mm -hmm. who don't necessarily have as many barriers or restrictions to their thinking was very inspiring and i really think that it was one of the first like pivotal moments of of being of embracing a new type of thinking and mindset and community and what opportunities could look like for me there's i i love that story and there's so much to unpack there you know you, later we're going to talk about the importance of community you know and you talked about that already a little bit in the story how you think it's that you believe that's a really key part of any pursuit is to look for communities and that's what caused you to even google travel communities or whatever it might be so you can figure this out and then you came across this event that i was helping to organize you know so i think that right there that's a key thing because your your friend Sandy was part of your community, you know, and it just shows that when you put that out there, right, and you let your community know what you're trying to do, you never know, you know, what they might be able to do to help you to do that. And it, it says a lot, you know, also about the, the closeness that there was, you know, with you and Sandy, and no doubt, plenty of other friends who knew you, and believed in you so much that with no hesitation, seconds after you launch a text, you know, that much that at the same exact speed, boom, you've got like a Venmo notification coming in with, mm -hmm. you know, the amount for that ticket. I, I think the other thing about that story that is so important is investing in yourself, like believing in yourself, mm -hmm. believing, having confidence in your own decision making. And if something feels right, saying, you know what, I'm going to go for this. And let's face it, you were willing to go for this already, which is why you reached out to Sandy, because you were already like, part of the way to making the decision to put $250 out of that $1,000 left of your own money mm -hmm. into this thing. And I think this is really important because I, I, I talk to people who haven't yet made that first investment in themselves, that first mm -hmm. serious investment in themselves. And sometimes it's $250, which may not seem like a lot, but when you only have a thousand left, that's a lot <laughs> yeah. of money. That I is mean. a lot of money, you know, and it uh -huh. could be, it could be a different investment. It could be a $6,000 investment, you know, but maybe you have a salary, but that's still a lot, right? Like, you know, even if your mm -hmm. salary is really high, relatively speaking, but it's still something. And I think that the fact that you were willing to do that is a really important takeaway from the story, because if you're listening to this podcast right now and you know that there is 
a product, a service, a training, a course, a community, or whatever that might be able to help you, and it's for your development, and you've never invested in yourself in that way, this is a time to really think and reflect on that because this is what it takes. And to your point, Shao, like this was a pivotal event for you. It was transformational. I mean, I went through Startup Weekend, so you know, I know it was transformation as well, like as a participant, just like you, when I had done that many mm -hmm. uh, years before that. And even as a facilitator and organizer, it continued to be, you know, transformational for me. And so really cool. I love that. I, I, I didn't know that until this conversation, you know, <laughs> when we were prepping for this, that that's how you ended up in the room, you know, because I'm mm -hmm. walking around just introducing myself to people. Hey, welcome to the event. So glad to have you. And it just shows you never know what it took for someone to be in that room with you that weekend. And I really appreciate the story and I appreciate Sandy. Definitely shout out to Sandy for uh, hooking that up and, and supporting you and believing in you. So I'm so glad you were there because here we are. What is it? <laughs> yeah. 17. So we're here like, you know, six years later. Years. Uh, yeah. Actually, it's the same time. The event was in May, May or early June. Oh, it was like oh, early May or June. I think it's of the t-shirt too. Yeah. So it, it we're we're on our six year anniversary of, of having wow, met. That's amazing. Literally within a couple of weeks of it. So it's really cool that now we get to reconnect around your journey to reinvention because you've had quite the ride. You know, you've gone through a lot of things. You've reinvented yourself many times. You brought to life an organization that has reinvented itself already several times. And I'm really excited to hear the story. So let's kick off with your kind of like your high level journey to reinvention. So what I'd love to learn here is and what I'd love for the listeners to learn about here is kind of just like what were the major stops along your journey to reinvention and maybe pull out a few highlights, maybe some tough moments during a transition or any story that stands out. Obviously, we've got some other things we're going to talk about later, but maybe there's something that, you know, you want to share with everybody. But let's uh, let's kind of help us understand, like, you know, where have you been on this journey? Well, I guess I'll start off with I'm, as you mentioned, I'm Brooklyn born and raised. Well, Manhattan born, Manhattan born, raised in Brooklyn and now back in Manhattan. But I went to school really wanting to be in film production. I wanted to be a director. And I guess the part of me has always been somewhat of an adventurer, spontaneous. So in college, I dropped out of college with my boyfriend at the time. We did a road trip across the country and I had a mini DV camcorder filming everything, making a documentary along the way. And I think that something that was so wild, like outrageous to do then was really pivotal in shaping my mindset again of like, why not me? Or like, things are so much bigger than what I perceive it to be like the country, the world is so much bigger. So I think that's where I, my travel bug came and I ended up getting to film production and, and mixing into travel as well. So I worked in commercial film production for about eight years on and off. And when I worked in advertising, I was an agent for television commercial directors. So my job was to go visit agencies all across the country. And I would have to go into every single room and give presentations, screenings. And I just felt that in all these rooms, I was one of the only non-white people within in these spaces. And it was just kind of shocking to me to be seeing, you know, these are some of the top advertising agencies in the country and um, that it didn't reflect what we actually see in the streets of New York City or in the media was kind of jarring to me. And it always kind of, you know, stuck out to me. So after I was in advertising, I was like, go for my job. And I went backpacking for a little bit, did a little travel blog. And then I really wanted to start a travel magazine, which is why I went to Google Startup Weekend. And because of the 
co-working space that we were working out of, which at the time was called Voyager. I ended up getting a desk there. I don't remember how I got money to pay for that desk now that I think about it. I don't know if I got another job or I don't remember what I did, mm-hmm. but after I was laid off, but ended up meeting an amazing community there. And I remember someone was like, you know, it's really hard to do the whole country when it was supposed to be a printed magazine. And I ended up doing New York City instead, focusing on New York. So I launched Chow Magazine. Yeah. And Chow Magazine was a site all about New York City, local New Yorkers, diverse, you know, diversity, inclusive about all these mom and pop shops and everything they wanted to do on a grand scale, but, you know, centered around New York City. And I started to throw a lot of events because I read in a blog somewhere that events make your can help you grow your business. And the events really started ticking off. I was doing trivia nights, comedy shows, drunken dumpling tours, like single, I did singles events. I literally did everything. (laughs) And they were really blowing up. And then the pandemic really, you know, shut us down overnight. So Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, which was really tough, I, I literally had lost out on, you know, our entire source of revenue overnight. And I transitioned it into a newsletter that was about all the changing New York City, you know, guidelines, where to get vaccinated, what were your dining vacations. And I changed that. And when when I did that, I kind of saw that there was a big space between New Yorkers wanting this community, uh, wanting to understand what was happening in New York City. And then from there, we had brands, nonprofits start reaching out to us to help to market to our community because we really understood how to communicate with millennials and Gen Z. And so since then I've pivoted for the, what is that the fourth time now, I think, or fifth time into a marketing agency where we're helping brands partner with millennials and Gen Zers. I love it. I mean, you know, not only have you gone through your own journey to reinvention personally, but even your organization. And so, you know, uh, later in the podcast, we'll obviously dig in deeper on, on Chow and the evolution of Chow uh, Magazine. And I, and I remember, by the way, those events, I remember you posting about them. Um, I remember one time, like when you were early in the development of, of all of that, you were working out of a really cool, like, I don't know if it was like a rooftop place or someplace in the Lower East Side. And you're like, Roger, come co-work with me. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. And, and I, you know, now I was mostly working from from home in, in New Jersey. Uh, I mean, I live right by the river, so it's no big deal. But uh, yeah, I remember, all right, that's cool. I crossed the river. I'm like, I'll, I'll come out. And I was, and we met up and it was some really cool spot. I don't know how you figured it out, but then again, you were writing about the city. So you knew all the cool spots. And I think it was a place that is normally either a restaurant or a bar or something uh, and like part rooftop, part not, I can't remember, but and then during the day, they were like, it was open. You discovered that it was a place mm-hmm. where you can go work from, even though that's not really what it was for. And I just thought, how cool is this place? And it was just such a great space to like to spend like, you know, a few hours in the middle of the day, hanging out with you, catching up and working on a few things. And so I, I remember that and and just the hustle, like all of those posts mm-hmm. that you had out there, you know. So when you said, you know, that a key strategy was to launch events, my gosh, like I can vouch for that. I remember yeah. you were, I mean, just absolutely consistent with events. And so, so cool to see like how far it's come, but more importantly, how you responded to what happened in the world. And then you were able to start finding ways to even reimagine that and think about, you know, how do you pivot and how do you adjust to the new realities and all of that? So 
we're you know we're going to come back to to the evolution of of the Chow organization a little bit later. But let's talk about projects because this is something that you know I've already heard in your story a little bit. You know, it, it's interesting because you ended up in something related to travel, mm-hmm. and you talked about dropping out of school to go on a major road trip with your boyfriend at the time, and you went and got this like travel bug, you know, from doing that. And what I'm hearing through my like lens of and my approach is. Okay, so there was a project at some point in your life that planted that seed for you. And it didn't happen right away. You went another Mm -hmm. route, you know, and you went another path. But you came back to it eventually because you knew that that was for you. And that was something that mattered to you. And I think that's really important because one of the things that I teach a lot about is how projects are the fundamental building block. It's the start of any reinvention. All reinventions, the great ones, everything, they all start with a project. You know, someone somewhere Mm -hmm. had a moment where they tested it out, however small or however large that project was. And that is what then eventually turned into something. And it's so cool to hear it in your story, how this road trip you took, you know, once a month nine, when you dropped out of school, you know, turned into eventually the Chow magazine and, and the events and all of that. So super cool to get that. But let's talk about projects. Because you shared with me in your in our prep call a really interesting idea about how corporate can become our identity, and sometimes you know we can lose sight of who we really are. And tell me a little bit more about how projects you think like help us in that type of situation. Because I agree with that. Like it's really easy to just like I, when I worked for IBM, I'm an IBMer. When I was a teacher, I worked for a certain school. I I'm a teacher at that school, and that's it. Like if anybody asks me who I am, I tell you that I am the job I have. You know, Mm -hmm. and so tell us a little bit more about the role that you have seen projects play for you when it comes to identity. I guess first I want to dive into what identity meant to me then and then dive into the projects. When I was working in uh, marketing slash sales, sales, I think, is a very difficult position to be in because you have to constantly be best personality, positive, outgoing, but getting rejected all of the time and there was when i was working in sales for these production companies i would have to come into the office you know send out hundreds of i don't know how many emails a day calls and then take clients out at night potential clients out at night and granted it was fun but there was just so much rejection or so much of like just it was really hard to book jobs and i felt like when i did good i felt really amazing about myself but when I did bad or things weren't happening, it was crushing. And it came to a point where I felt almost like a shell of a version of myself because I was so, because my confidence was tied intrinsically to how I did in my performance at work. And I think that learning to separate your identity from your job is really hard because we are societally, socially, we just are taught to think that we are the same as that. So it really wasn't until I started having side projects where I would start building up some confidence in myself and be like, oh, I'm not just a sales rep. Like one of the things I've always wanted to do was stand-up comedy. And what this taught me was that regret is worse than failure. And I say that because I remember doing stand-up and wanting to try to do stand-up. I thought about it for years and I had never I'd always wanted to do it. I was just so miserable at my job that I was like, F it. I need to do something else that, you know, will get my mind off of it. And I went to a bunch of open mics in New York City. And I remember for my very first, one of, one of the earlier ones, 
I was like, I'm going to go do this with a couple of friends that who had wanted to do stand up. And I was like, come on, like, we'll do it together. We'll write our bits. And like at open mic nights, you basically put your name, you go there. First of all, it's like at a basement in the West Village somewhere. And they're always like 5 p.m. You go down to some dusty basement. There's like six people there and the the host and you write your name on a, on a little piece of paper and you throw it into a goldfish bowl. And everyone else there is a stand-up comic who's also trying to make it. So they're not listening to what you're saying. They just are going over their lines. And I remember I got there. My, I was like, okay, so my friends will meet you at there. And I was late. So I was the last person who put my name into this bowl. And because I was the last person, I was the first one to get pulled. <laughs> and I remember the guy, he like picks up the name and he, you know, completely just like messes up my name. He's like, chat, chat, chow. And I was like, oh, and all you just hear is me going, and so I go up obviously nervous didn't you know rehearse my lines enough and I go up I do this bit it's terrible halfway through I forget everything and I'm like I literally said into the mic I don't want to do this anymore can I go and I remember I I remember all at that moment I was like this is so embarrassing but in the back, I hear someone start clapping and they go, you can do this. Come on. And suddenly the whole crowd of like six people. And then obviously my two friends were there like, you can do this. Come on. You got this. Like they gave me this confidence. I performed the rest of it. I'm sure it wasn't great. But to me, that was just such a pivotal moment of like, you can bomb terribly, look dumb, look horrible, do it horribly. But like, after that, I was so glad that I did it, that I could do stand-up, that I had tried it, that I had bombed, I looked dumb, and, like, it didn't matter. People were so supportive of me, in, in, you know, in that sense. And and the other is, like, I didn't define who I was as a person. And I think that when you when you do these projects, you know, I'm not a stand-up comic. I'm, I don't do <laughs> – I love it, but I really realized very quickly after that that stand-up was not for me, but I love it is that, you know, doing these skills, doing these side projects builds up, you know, a different part of your identity, it builds up skills within yourselves. And it, it helps to, it helps you to discover a part of yourself. And I found that doing the stand up now, it kind of made me feel somewhat invincible in public speaking and talking to people. I'm okay with looking dumb. But the feeling that I do not want is to regret not having done it. I'm okay with failing, but I don't want to regret never having tried something because that to me like eats away at me. I love that story. There, there are obviously so many lessons to unpack there, but I think, you know, this idea of a project as a vehicle for building confidence and in your case, the specific project was incredibly aligned with getting, building confidence, you know, and, and this just, you know, being in front of an audience and bombing and having to recover from that is super cool. Like, I mean, that's the most direct experience one could get. And I could see how that would absolutely power you through so many other moments on your journey, you know, as you're going through, you know, reinventing yourself or launching this business and trying different things and oh, that didn't work. Try again. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're like, oh, it's just another bombing. Let's do it again, you know, and just keep on doing it. every mm -hmm. time you mess that up, you try again. I think that's super powerful. But this idea in general, just of building confidence, I often talk a lot about how with projects, we get to build confidence in new skills. We get to build confidence in our ability to communicate more effectively about whatever we do. And it's like you said, you know, because of that experience, you're 
like you're not even worried about speaking in front of an audience because that's no big deal. It's just like, look, I, mm-hmm. I can do this, you know, and you, you bring that confidence. And I think that that's one of the key things. And one thing you shared in our prep call, which what a good friend told you about confidence being like a muscle. Can you tell us more about that? Because I feel like that caps off the story so well. Sure. That was my good friend, Fernando. Shout out to Fernando. <laughs> this whole thing is like a DJ Khaled, sir. We're just shouting out people though. But I really have to say, you can't do this alone. And I'm so grateful for everyone and you know that I've met along the journey and, and will continue to meet and, and whatnot. But Fernando, very good friend of mine, who also, we were both unpaid interns at our very first production company job. He said to me that confidence is a muscle and you have to exercise it every day. And I was so confused when he told me that the first time, but in, he meant that you have to be intentional in building or doing activities that will support your growth every day. You don't, it's as it's the same, like you don't wait for motivation. You don't wait for confidence. You don't just show up confident one day. You have to do small things to constantly do that, to build that. And I think that's where it ties back into what we're talking about with projects. I think a lot of times for us, in society, we go to school and then we're done with learning. We don't necessarily, you know, maybe you go to grad school, maybe you go to market, you know, get your PhD. But I think that when it comes to continuing to learn, we, we should think about that as projects, taking these interests that we have, pursuing them to educate ourselves about them and just because we simply want to do them. And I think that when you, as a human, do things that you want to do, That's how you build confidence. And that's how you get to know who you are as a person. I think a lot of times people, especially this period, if they're, you know, in the process of reinventing, I really didn't know who I was after when I was at that job in sales. I was so tied to my job. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think this indecision of like, what do I want to do? Who am I was was eating away at me. And I think I got to know where I wanted to, what I want to do, because I kept doing these projects of going to startup weekends, maybe trying to build a travel magazine, doing stand-up. I wanted to be a cinematographer at one point. <laughs> and I wanted to be a travel blogger. And I, I did. I pursued all these things. I tried to write as well. And all these things at the time felt pretty, you know, flaky to my, I thought it looked, felt flaky. I felt disappointed that I wasn't able to follow through on any of them. But now that I look back, I think about A, how much I learned from these and that I was getting to know myself because I'm doing the things I want to, but the skills that I picked up along the way all have come back full circle in what I do now. And so back to what Fernando said confidence is a muscle keep doing those small projects keep doing those small things of what you want to be doing and and that's how you figure out what you want to do i you know that that's there are two things there are two big ideas you know the first one like the identity part like you know you don't know who you are just on your own that's not something that just like happens like oh i know exactly who i am i mean i think about like all the things that people invest in in order to get to know themselves better we often say that we go to university for four years to discover who we are and discover ourselves right that's a really expensive and timely and like time consuming endeavor to figure out Mm -hmm. a little bit more of who we are but that's how important it is to get to know ourselves better that's how much importance we place on it that we would spend you know, now what's becoming like minimum almost 50k a year for four years to get to know who you are. You know, we go on epic trips, we 
we enroll in follow-up school. We go for masters. We go for PhDs. We take on crazy jobs. Like we do all these things. We, we work out and push ourselves to extreme limits all in pursuit of getting to know who we are. And so it's such an important topic. And what you're sharing here is how projects are a way to help you do that. And the, the key distinction here, I think, in what you shared was that those things you did ended up not really becoming anything in and of themselves, you know, and mm-hmm. they didn't have to. And that's so important, you know, and, and you also shared like that you openly shared that it felt weird at the moment, at the time, because you felt flaky. You felt like, oh, gosh, like this stuff failed and all of that. But it was only upon reflection that you realized, okay, fine, maybe those things didn't pan out or didn't you didn't follow through on those things. But in the end, all the skills you picked up and a lot of those experience all came right back to serve you and what you're doing now. And I think that's really important for people to understand who are listening in is that what these things that you do don't have to be massive victories. They don't have to turn into like, yeah. oh, and now you've exited out of this company and made $100 million. No, that rarely happens. Like, you know, it sounds like it happens all the time because that's all we read about, but that rarely happens. And what really happens the majority of the time is that we fail. That's what happens the majority of the time. However, that <laughs> failure, what you're yeah. sharing is that failure is not mm-hmm. a failure. It's just something that will come back later to serve you in the form of a skill, in the form of an experience, maybe even just in the form of a story that you get to share with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then that might help them overcome something that was holding them back. How I mean, I, through these interviews that I've done on this podcast, I've heard so many examples of how these things have come back to serve others or the, or the person themselves later, you know, even if the thing itself never panned out. And so I think that's a key idea. But the other one you shared, which I, uh, I want to like explore a little bit more in depth with you is how this idea that uh, Fernando, right? It's Fernando. Uh, shared, shared with you is, you know, confidence is a muscle that we have to work on every day. It's not something that just shows up just like motivation or inspiration. You know, it's not something that just shows up when you talk to professional artists, they'll tell you, I can't, I can't afford to wait for inspiration to hit me or otherwise I'll never eat. Like I got to work today. Like it's 9am. It's time to be inspired. Like, you know, it's something you do, it's something you you activate inspiration and put it into motion, motivation, confidence and all the things. But there's like rituals, there's practices, there's things we have to do in order to kickstart that. And and to use Fernando's words, exercise that muscle so that we have it. Earlier today, I was on the phone with a high performance coach that I'm talking to about perhaps coaching me. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that she talked about was how, you know, to have a strong mind. So kind of related to confidence, but to have a strong mind, you know, have strong beliefs and to have that belief that, you know, you can do anything. She's like, that requires also training. Like every day we have to train that. And she had found in my story when I was telling her about what I've been going through and things like that, she found that there was a moment you exercise that like every day. And then now you've run into a problem and She's like, it's not a coincidence that it syncs up almost with when you stopped practicing those, when you stopped exercising that muscle. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. I thought, (laughs) yeah, seriously. I thought that I was like, here's how I presented the case to her. I said to her, I feel like I have hit a ceiling of sorts when it comes to like, you know, mindset and beliefs like i've broken through many but i feel like i'm hitting another one which is fine but this one feels tougher than others and what she caught was like i think it's tougher because you're not exercising that part of yourself 
the way you used wow. to. And in your other stories, you were exercising that thing all the time. Every day, intentionally, you had little practices, little exercises, and those have gone away. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I felt like because I hit a certain point in mental strength, I thought I was good. And yeah. oh, and to your point, you got to keep exercising it. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I'm just wondering, you know, just your your thoughts on that, on that mental strength, the beliefs to overcome difficult, difficult things. For sure. I also want to have a follow up question for you after this too. Well, I think when it comes to mindset, there's, I feel like I'm the most confident, but deeply, but insecure at the same time. It is, I, it is the most interesting. And I think that, you know, entrepreneurship or reinventing yourself it involves a really deep dive into yourself and your core beliefs. I grew up, you know, I'm a first generation um, Asian Chinese American woman. My parents grew up, you know, they came from China to New York City in the 80s, worked in the restaurants. My mom's a seamstress. You know, so we had, you know, we had a really great family childhood, but we weren't rich by any means. But I think it's always been instilled in us to work really hard to, you know, I think like, it was a little bit of like a scarcity mindset. There wasn't ever enough. Like I was, I was the youngest of three too. So I never had, I was always getting the hand-me-down. <laughs> but I think that like, sometimes I find myself having certain beliefs. I'm like, why am I, like, why not me? Like I, you know, I think now I'm at a point of starting to scale and it's so scary. It, it just feels like it's not for me. It feels like this belongs and happens to other people, but not me. And I find myself having this internal dialogue quite a bit being like, okay, this isn't, this is, it's not for me. And then I have to have another alternate, you know, I really, I'm really, I, I think the mindset is not about being for me. It's not about being strong um, or right. It's about being inquisitive and kind. So I'm, questioning my thoughts sometimes. Yeah. Why do I feel this way? Why do I think it's not for me? And I think for, you know, anyone who may be going through this process of not knowing what they want to do or not where they want to be in life or not happy with their job or, or like why they're not more of A, B, or C, I think it's asking why do we have these internal beliefs? And another question is like, is it okay that I'm in this place right now? Is it that we have these really high expectations for ourselves that may be unrealistic? So we put ourselves down a little bit because of that. So I think that for me, the mindset is a lot about being curious. And I think that because it's become more curious, it's become stronger because I'm not like, okay, well, maybe I should be a multimillionaire by now. Though that happens quite a bit, but yeah. <laughs> but I think the inquisitive, the the questioning comes in handy what were the actions or the things that you were doing beforehand that you stopped doing that helped to build your mindset? Yeah. So there was this one thing that I learned from Tony Robbins and he actually has a, it's a priming exercise that you do every morning when you wake up. And mm -hmm. I swore by this for so many years and there were some really difficult moments and I was doing this thing and it's an exercise that takes you, it's like part meditation, part breathing, part, visualization all mashed into one 15 minute exercise. So it's not even that long. It's something like you could do 15 minutes right after you wake up, do it and then go get on with your day. You know, some people like have like that hour long thing. Tony's like, look, if you're, if you're in a bind and you're in a rush, then do a 15 minute version of it. And he mm -hmm. mashes all of these things up into one exercise. 
And I was practicing that every single day. There's also an incantation that I learned at one of his events. And it's something you repeat to yourself, but it's a little different than an affirmation in the sense that you're supposed to repeat it to yourself with like a lot of intensity, like really feel mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, like, like actually like close, like, you know, put your fists like really tight and hard when you say it and emphasize certain words. And so I had my incantation, I had the priming exercise and I was doing that every single day. So I would, op- I'd wake up, I would do the priming exercise and then on a run or during my workout or whatever, or during a morning walk, I would say the incantation and that was it. Mm, that was just mm-hmm. like part of my normal thing. And then it dropped off like, you know, maybe a year ago, uh, maybe even a little bit more than that. It like, I just kind of stopped doing it. I'm not even sure why, honestly, I think it was because maybe I felt I was there. Oh, like, you know, ah, I'm good. Like, got I'm, it. Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. L- like I'm good. Like uh-huh. I could go a few days without it, like whatever. And then a few days turns into a few weeks and then it's a few months. And then I find myself in this place where I'm like wondering, gosh, like, why am I not like why? And you know, what you shared is exactly what I'm feeling. I'm hitting this point where now I'm starting to figure out how I can begin to scale my business. And, and yeah. then And, you know, to your point, there are, you know, I'm also a, you know, first generation, not Chinese American, but Latino American. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of things that I'm up against in my mind, in my own mind. It's not like I'm up against, they're not real things because (laughs) let's face it, the opportunities are there, but, but I'm up against them in my mind. And so when I'm thinking about those things, you know, like to your point, like, kind of like, why me? Or like, maybe that's not something that happens to me. Like, you know, that's other people, you know, other people will get that, you know, I, but I can't blow up, you know, on on social media, Mm -hmm. or I can't get a following around this idea of reinvention, you know, even though I love helping people and all of that, and I'll just help the people who are near me. And that's it. And that'll be fine. You know, like, and then I find a way to like, talk it down, like, Oh, let's just keep it small. Like, It'll be great. Life will be nice. But the truth is, you know, I think like you, you know, we know we can do something much bigger. We know we were meant mm-hmm. for so much more, but we're battling this like, you know, invisible leash or something that's holding us back a little bit. And, yeah. you know, I totally get that. And I like what you said about, it's not necessarily about having a strong mindset, but having an inquisitive mindset, one that is willing to challenge those thoughts, one that is willing to question those thoughts and, and you mm-hmm. know, counter them with a better question. And it's something that I, I have, I've been doing a little bit of, you know, like from time to time, I'll say, no, whoa, why did you just say that to yourself? Like, no, that's, that's BS, you know? And I have to like argue with myself that that limiting thought I just said to myself inside of my head, I got to like, with the other part of my head, I got to argue it and and like almost insult that other guy who said that just so I can (laughs) shut him up. Like, seriously, enough of this crap. And it's this battle, but to, you know, your point, like, it's that practice, that daily practice made that other voice way stronger, caught the mm-hmm. other guy like every single time. And honestly, I think he just had like a thumb on that other guy and just didn't even let him like get any bre- room to breathe <laughs> or anything. Because for so long, that other voice was silenced. And, you know, I was able to overcome a lot of very difficult moments in order to, you know, hit my goals and hit my targets. So yeah, this has been a really interesting week for me, actually. So it's interesting you and I are having this conversation because this is all like unfolding this week. I had this conversation with this high performance coach earlier today, you know, and and that was like super just opening, like mind blowing and, and you know, an eye opening because it helped me catch a blind spot that I was missing. Yes. Yes. Okay. I have so many things I want to talk about. <laughs> do it. Do really it. Let's, let's do it. I love it. Wait, first of all, I just have to say, we were talking about how we were going to 
have so much like to talk about on this. I'm like, no, we could talk for like five more hours. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, right. Um, but, you know, in terms of how we talk to ourselves, I thought this was very, very interesting. One of my therapists told me a couple of years back that emotions scientifically only last chemically 90 seconds. So any emotion that you're feeling for longer than that is not an emotion. It is just like an anxious thought. And that's why you can question it because mm. it might be your brain trying to protect yourself. A lot of the times these, you know, I will, let's call it maybe we could call them negative. We could call them protective thoughts of like, oh, maybe you can't do that. Maybe you shouldn't try that because maybe you shouldn't leave that job. Maybe you shouldn't start that building. Let's start that company. Um, it's really just, I think, a way of your body protecting yourself. Your body chemically, physically wants to eliminate risk all the time. So that's why we have these specific mindsets a lot of the times. And I think that when we are inquisitive about our thoughts, we are able to decide for ourselves and rationalize a lot of the times. Sometimes yeah. you may feel that you're not ready to make that jump or you're not ready to be you know, a great coach or whatever the role or, you know, new, new job you're trying to do. But if you were to look at it factually and be like, oh shit, I worked at Google for eight years or worked at wherever and have done A, B, and C. I think yeah. it's the importance of how we talk to ourselves and not just, not just hyping ourselves up just to hype us, mm -hmm. but to be rational about it. Like let's yeah. be analytical. If, if that feels, that can feel a little woo woo for some people and that's mm -hmm. okay. But to be, let's be factual. You have yeah. accomplished A, B, and C. And we don't ever keep a list of that because we're just like on to the next thing. Yes, so. that's that's a big idea right there, being on to the next thing all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, right now what I'm focusing on helping people with is to launch these projects, design a reinvention project, something that gets you moving in the direction you want to go and that you launch quickly and take action on quickly. And a big part of that is because it's really about stopping to reflect on these accomplishments in route or like on the way to what you really want. Because a lot of times when people reinvent themselves, imposter syndrome is one of like your biggest enemies. Mm -hmm. And if, and it's, it makes sense rationally, right? It's like, you're going into a field that you know nothing about into a new domain. Naturally, you're going to feel like, wait, why would anybody take me seriously here? I don't have any background in this. I have no experience, all of these things, but projects in that domain are a really great way to combat imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, you know, to your point, you got to stop and say, what have I done? You know, and if you don't yeah. stop to take, you know, inventory and stock of those things, yeah, you're right. We're on to the next thing. We just keep moving so quickly that we forget that I just did those things. If I just rationally, if I look at this very rationally, like you said, I did A, B, and C. So yeah. that adds up to D. So let's go, you know, like on we let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. I exactly. think I think everyone needs to have a hype person. We all need <laughs> to have, we all need our own hype people. Well, hey, yeah. you know, you talked about having Sandy earlier in your journey, you know, yeah. that, and that was so important, I think, you know, I, I, I've had dear friends who have uh, stepped in there. And, you know, and that's another thing I was thinking about. There were certain people in my life in some of these moments as well who were, and, and I feel like COVID kind of disrupted that a little bit. But when I think about some of the toughest moments on the journey, there were people who were there that were playing that role, that were reminding mm -hmm. me of the rational facts 
Like, let me just mm-hmm. remind you of what you have done. Boom, boom, boom. And they could rattle it off like that. And yeah, I was just like, oh, I was like, wow, that was, I, you know, thank you. <laughs> I needed that because I was choosing almost to forget that so that I could be all like, no, I can't do this thing. Like, why would, why me? Why would anybody like care? Mm-hmm. And, and all of that. But you're right. We, it's so important that we look back at those things and take stock of those so that we can then bring them into the next thing we want to do. Yeah. And we're so ingrained to be humble, mm-hmm. too humble, in fact. Yeah. So like, I think people get confused. People equate confidence and cockiness and you can yeah. be confident without being cocky, without being, you know, a butthole. You know, it's like this thing about we're being too humble. So there was a, a book that I came across. I haven't read it. I didn't even buy it, but I put it in my save for later at Amazon and uh-huh. check out the title. Like you're, this is going to so speak to that exact point you just meant. Brag better. master the art of fearless self-promotion when i saw that title i go wow you are speaking to someone who is normally like very humble and worried about you know even bragging to themselves (laughs) when it's Mm -hmm. time to take action so yeah just uh, the moment you said that i thought about this book oh that's amazing okay so we should read it let's do our own book club I like that. I like that. Well, it's on my list. So I, and it's only $8.99 on Kindle right now. So I might actually pick oh, up a Kindle nice. copy of it. Um, but real quick, you know, because I want to be mindful of the time as well. You know, we've got about five minutes left. And there was another key idea that I wanted to talk to you about. And maybe I think this is where we might get close to wrapping up here. And it was on making decisions, you know, on the journey to reinvention. There are so many decisions that have to be made. Really scary ones like, do I spend 250 out of my last $1,000 on a ticket for a weekend long event? You know, like, is this something I should do? And you you talked to me about during our prep call around like, you know, having the confidence to lean into your intuition and to, you know, trust yourself in making these decisions. You shared a really cool story about backpacking solo and when you started doing that and how you learned to practice. Again, going back to practicing confidence, practicing also leaning into your intuition. Can you share that story with everyone? Number one thing I tell people when they don't know what to do is I tell them, go for a walk in a new neighborhood by yourself. And they're like, what? And I say this because we are so used to relying on everyone around us for every decision from what should I, should I buy this top to where should I go to lunch to should I you know, get this new job? We, we're very reliant on other people. And I think that, you know, especially talking about that sense of identity, we lose our sense of identity when we are relying on other people too much for our everyday decisions. We're reliant on our job to tell us who we are and what to do and how to spend our time for, I mean, what, like 60% of our day. So it's, it's really important for us to go figure out who we are, but you can't, you can't attack it from like, it's not like it's a climbing a mountain. You can't do it all in one full go. You have to go step by step. So when I was backpacking solo, I remember I would go to this city and I'd be the first day, I'd be so scared. I'd be like, shit, I don't know anyone. Is that dude trying to rob me? Um, I got, you know, almost mugged a couple of times. And the first two days are always scary. But, you know, you kind of go through with it. But I always loved the last day of being in a city. And I would call it the sweet spot. And I call it the sweet spot because at that point, you've explored the city enough. So you kind of know where you like, what you do, where you want to go. And 
that day I would just go to a neighborhood and wherever I wanted to go, I would go. If I wanted to make a left turn and check out this little boutique shop, I would go. If I wanted to get a crepe, if I wanted to, you know, check out this little museum, I would do that. And when you do that, you are practicing, you are exercising the decision-making. You're not relying on anybody else. And it's a fun way to do it, but it's, we're so used to quelling the little voice inside of us. And I think that exercising that muscle, that confidence, that identity comes from first pursuing your interests. And it can start as something as small as that, growing it to different projects that you've always wanted to pursue. I've always said, if you think about it more than 40% of the time, then you should just do it. Or at least try to create a small version of it. If you wanted to be an actor, freaking and you've been thinking about it and talking about it for the past 10 years, just go do it. This is your sign. Go try it. Do the smallest version of it and just continue and being consistent in those projects. To use your metaphor of, you know, walk down a street that you've never walked, take a turn that you've never usually taken in that neighborhood. You know, it's, you know, you tie it so perfectly to projects, you know, test out that idea that you've never really tested out as well, because you never know what you might discover along the way. You know, along your journey, you tested stand-up comedy. It was a turn you took that you had probably never taken before. And you're just like, well, let's give it a shot and see what happens. Where that is so important. There's two things here, because one is this idea of trusting your intuition. But the other thing I'm getting out of this is also the opportunity to discover things, to be curious and to embrace that curiosity. And and along the way, discover new things that you might not have been able to even have intuition for because you didn't have that. And practicing it the way you practice it creates that opportunity to also discover and say, you know what, I'm going to make a right turn here, even though I don't know if there's crepes waiting for me or really great ice cream or a museum like but whatever it is I'm going to make that turn and when people think about projects that they want to get into one of the things that I've learned holds the majority of people back is is this the right project should I be doing this is this the best project is this the best thing to do in order to do something else later or whatever and I'm like honestly I have no idea you know for all I know it might be the only thing you could do because maybe you don't have access to the other turns. Maybe there's no other, there's no way for you to do it the other ways. Not right now, at least. So this might be the only option. So just go for it. Make mm-hmm. that turn and just go down that street and see where it takes you. Chances are, if you're making progress and you're getting closer, then it will help one way or another. Um, but I think that this idea of having to pick the perfect project, having, which in your metaphor, having to pick the perfect street to go down, there's no perfect street. Because you never know where the crepes are hiding and they could be waiting for you around the street that you never would have normally imagined. And there they are. And the same thing goes. And when I think about my own experience, much like, you know, you shared all these things you've done along the way that in the end didn't really turn into anything in terms of like a long term. But like you said, later on, they've come back to serve you. You know, they've come full circle back to help you out in some way, some skill, some experience, something you took away, maybe a contact or someone in your network. Something came from that walking down that street. And I think this is important for anybody walking the journey to reinvention is not to worry so much about the project, you know, focus more on the fact that you're walking, like make sure you're still walking. Yeah. Because if you just stand still for long enough. And like you said, if you've been talking about acting for 10 years, just freaking go find an opportunity to do it. Who cares what it is like, you know, a silly Mm -hmm. play or whatever, a volunteer thing, just go do it. If you've been talking about it for 10 years or thinking about it for more than 40% of the time. Yeah. And I, I want to add to that is I I think we should think about, yes, it's discovery, but also we 
the description of success does not have to be hugely tied to these projects. So for Chow Mag, so the first iteration, it was a travel magazine, then became a newsletter about New York City. I have written 119 issues. And this has been, you know, a mixture of like every week or every two weeks sometimes. I should do my best to be as consistent as possible. It's not a huge newsletter. I think right now we have about 3,000 people in the newsletter. I've, I've just been continuously sending it out because I just love New York City. I want to share the news with New York. I haven't done anything to try and grow it, though I'm always like beating myself up about it. But because I've been consistently working on this newsletter, I have reinvented my, the identity, not just for myself, but for how the world sees me or my world sees me. So I've become known as the New York person, the person who, who knows marketing really well in this millennial diverse space, who comes up with fun campaigns. And because of this newsletter that is so much fun that I love, that I pour so much of my love into, I've been able to turn that, I've gotten all my opportunities for my clients from that newsletter because they remember that I've been consistent in putting out this newsletter. That I've been, you know, doing all these playful things, or that I'm someone reliable. So your projects can help not just redefine you for yourself, but your community and your network. And that's how you get to the next level. You have to redefine yourself if you want to be an actor. Then the world has to see you as an actor, and it starts with you. So these projects are what will help drive that. I love that. And I feel like that's the perfect place to end is to find these projects. It's that repetition thing, you know, mm -hmm. it over time, it makes an impact. The first one, second one, 10 of them may not. But once you start hitting 20, 30, 40, hit 100, before you know it, you're known as the person who knows how to really activate New York City, how to create a, a, an awesome experience in New York City. That comes from repetition. And so I feel like that is a really cool insight to share about the power of projects. Um, you know, for me, Startup Weekend has been a project. I've come I've mm -hmm. come to be known as the Startup Weekend guy. I'm like the facilitator and people are like, oh, I yeah. remember you from that Startup Weekend event. And I'm like, well, yeah, like I've done over 80 of these around the world for the last nine years. So I can't be like, obviously, yeah. like, yeah, you would know me probably from Startup Weekend. You know, <laughs> you and I know each other yeah. from Startup Weekend, so many others, like that's mm -hmm. how we connect. So it's, it's definitely, you know, actually I was on a call earlier with somebody else, a coaching client, startup weekend, you know, it's how we connected. Uh, and it's just crazy. Like that's what brings us together. So yeah, it's the repetition though. Those things only happen because we do it over and over and over again. So really important lesson. Great, great takeaway. This was so much fun. I'm so glad that you and I reconnected. What a great way to, for us to catch up. For real. I mean, you know, from my end, I'm so proud of you and happy for you. Like to see how you've grown the school of reinvention, the podcast, like, I mean, it's just, I think there's no greater feeling than seeing people come up, you know, like seeing your friends succeed. So I'm super excited for you too. And, and I see, I see you. <laughs> you know? I love it. I will. I, and I appreciate you. And, you know, like I said, I've been, you know, following your journey and I get to see all your posts and how your organization and your company has evolved so much. And I think it's so cool to see the twists and the turns and the victories along the way, because there were victories along the way that brought it to this point. So congratulations on all of that and bringing it to the point where, you know, now it's in its latest iteration, you know, as a, as an agency. And that's really cool. And actually, as you were talking about it, I was thinking, gosh, I might have to hire you and your agency to help me out with a project later this year. So when I relaunch Perfect. my book, I'm like, you know what? 
you might be the person who can help me with this. You and your company can help me relaunch my book. But thank you again, Chow. I appreciate you know your time sharing all of these cool stories and opening up about so many things. I feel like we both ended up opening up <laughs> uh, quite a yeah. bit here, and <laughs> and hopefully for the listeners that was valuable. You know, to hear like this is you know these are the things that are going through our minds sometimes. But I love what you shared about you know we gotta have an inquisitive mindset because we can talk it down, we can out question it, and make sure that in the end you know, we create a better outcome or a better opportunity for ourselves. So I appreciate you sharing that insight. Really key. If you're interested in following Chow or learning about any of her endeavors and what she's working on, all the links and bio and all of that will be in the show notes, uh, wherever you're listening to this. So I will leave it there. Thank you again, Chow. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.